The book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, beginning at verse 24. The Bible says, For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land. I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Then you will live in the land that I gave your fathers. You will be my people and I will be your mighty one. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will summon the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine on you. I will also make the fruit of the trees and the produce of the field plentiful, so that you will no longer experience reproach among the nations on account of famine. May Yahweh bless His word to our hearts today. Brother TJ did a good job yesterday going through Apostle Peter's Pentecost sermon recorded for us in Acts chapter 2 as we understand it here at this congregation. This time of the year is Pentecost time, and so I'm going to continue to look at that subject, but I'm going to come at it from a different angle in this sermon. What I'd like to consider today is what the Apostle Peter did not say rather than what he did say in his sermon. Yeshua the Messiah had recently went to heaven to be with his Father, and the apostles had been promised the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they are all gathered there in Jerusalem when the day of Pentecost had fully come, Acts 2 verse 1 tells us. The gift of languages is given in Acts chapter 2, which is the pouring out of the Spirit, according to the prophet Joel, Joel his prophecy in chapter 2 verses 28 through 32 in the Old Testament. And Peter stands up on Pentecost and begins to preach to all of the Jews and the proselytes to Judaism that were there that day. And what he preached is of great importance. Brother TJ read all of Acts chapter 2 in yesterday's lesson. But what Peter did not preach is of equal importance once you realize what he did not preach. Let me give a little overview and set the stage a little bit more for you. Pentecost is a Hebrew feast day. It is an Old Testament feast day that is Hebrew or for the nation of Israel. It is not a day that developed through later Gentile or Christian practice like maybe Lent or Ash Wednesday. Pentecost is referred to as the Feast of Weeks in the Law of Moses due to the counting of weeks from the time of Passover season and the name the Feast of Weeks centers in on the counting of seven weeks leading to Pentecost and the name Pentecost is a word that means 50 and it centers in on the numbering of 50 days which is another aspect of the feast. All of the annual feast days in the nation of Israel had to do with agriculture and so the summer feast of Pentecost took place during the wheat harvest. Passover and unleavened bread in the spring was the barley harvest. The Feast of Tabernacles, also known as the Feast of Ingathering in the fall, was when all of the crops finally came in. And Pentecost in the middle was the wheat harvest. 
Exodus 23 verse 16 actually calls Pentecost the Feast of Harvest. So this feast was a time of great rejoicing as all of the annual set feasts were for the nation of Israel, for agrarian Israel. The wheat was coming in and wheat is a major staple for the nation and for all of humanity. What is made with wheat? Bread. That's exactly right. Leviticus 23 verse 17 says on this day that the Israelites were to bring two loaves of bread from your settlements as a presentation offering, each of them made from four quarts of fine flour baked with yeast as first fruits to Yahweh. And so bread, which is made from wheat, is a blessing from the Almighty. Psalm 104 verse 15 says that Yahweh gives bread to man to strengthen his heart. And there are natural B vitamins in bread that do just that, that strengthen our heart. This feast is also the time that the law of Yahweh was given to prophet Moses. Pentecost is a memorial of the giving of the law on tablets of stone. Now the law began to be spoken orally by Almighty Yahweh in Exodus chapter 20 where we have the Ten Commandments recorded for us. But the actual handing of the stone tablets, the giving of the law by Yahweh to prophet Moses, was not until later at the end of Moses' first 40-day fast on Mount Sinai. You can read about this in Exodus 24, four chapters after the Ten Commandments are uttered by Yahweh. Yahweh asks prophet Moses, Come up to me in the mountain and I will give you some stone tablets. And in Exodus 31.18, it says that when he, speaking of Yahweh, finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the testimony, stone tablets inscribed by the finger of the Almighty. Yahweh wrote down the Ten Commandments, which is a summary of the entire law of Yahweh. He wrote on those stone tablets with his own finger, the Bible says. He then gave those tablets to prophet Moses during this time of the year that we're now in, the end of the fourth moon or fourth month on Yahweh's method of timekeeping in the heavens. Now all of this, that's very brief, but all of this was in the mind of every single Judahite and proselyte to the Judahite faith in Acts chapter 2. They knew all of this. They knew all of this I just shared with you and they knew it better than me they could share it with you better than I just shared it with you. They grew up in it for generation to generation to generation. Acts 2 verse 5 says that there were Jews dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Devout men. The word devout means careful, cautious, reverent. What are they careful and what are they reverent about? The Torah, the law of Yahweh, the Hebrew Scriptures... These people are not your run-of-the-mill human beings. All of these Jews dwelling in Jerusalem for the feast time are not your average people. These are not the people you go down to the local QT and shoot the breeze with. These are Torah-observant, devout men, women, children that grew up in the law, like I said, from generation to generation. So, back to Peter's message in Acts chapter 2. What Peter did not preach is just as important as what he did preach. And do you know what Peter did not preach in Acts chapter 2? Peter did not utter a single word that would even insinuate 
that the law of Yahweh was now abolished under the Messianic dispensation. Not a word. That wasn't part of Peter's sermon. Peter's sermon did not include that. That wasn't his message. The Holy Spirit was being poured out on the commanded feast day. That's not a coincidence. Yahweh just didn't choose any old working day to pour out His Spirit upon His people. He chose one of the annual commanded feast days to pour out His Spirit. I'll get to that more in a second. The feast day that commemorated the law on tables of stone would now, from Acts 2 on, not only commemorate that in the book of Exodus, but it would now commemorate the law on the fleshly tables of our hearts. The pouring out of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost is not about upbeat music. It's not about a good drum beat or a fancy bass line. It's not about people running around everywhere and speaking an unintelligible babble. As a matter of fact, Pentecost is a reversal of Babel in Genesis 11. In Genesis 11, when there were people that were coming against Yahweh, trying to be equal with Him, and trying to build a tower whose top would reach into the heavens, what does the Scripture tell us Yahweh did? He saw that, and He speaks to the angels, and He says, let us go down and confound their language and confuse their language. And the tower or the place was called Babel because Babel means confusion so that the workers on the tower could not communicate with one another because they could not understand one another. Pentecost is a reversal of that whereby when the people were doing Yahweh's will at the feast, now they were speaking in languages they never learned and people from every nation under heaven were able to understand in their own language and even in their own dialect. I like to say their own dialect is like I have a southern drawl when I speak. Sometimes I try not to sound so southern. I tell people I look like my dad but I sound like my mama. <laughs> well, mama was raised in Rockdale County. I was raised in Rockdale County. I sound like I was raised in Rockdale County. I definitely don't sound like I was raised in Canada where my dad was raised, do I? <laughs> Maybe a little Alabama. Maybe a little Alabama, Brother Jerry says. <laughs> I've got some kinfolk in Alabama. Pentecost is a reversal of Babel. So that should tell us that the, the gift of languages is not about unintelligible Babel. The gift of languages is a language that a person has never learned being bestowed upon them as a gift and they're able to speak in it so that someone that understands that language can comprehend the gospel message about the Messiah. So it's a reversal of Babel. Pentecost is about new hearts. The Spirit inscribing law and gospel on the hearts of sons, daughters, young men, Old men, handmaidens, and servants, the prophet Joel tells us in Joel chapter 2. So Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, often called the birth of the New Testament church, is not about the law being done away with. It's about the forgiveness of sins against the holy law of Yahweh through the person of Christ. And it's about the same finger of Yahweh spoken of in Exodus 31.18 writing His instructions not just on tables of stone, but writing His instructions inside of you on the fleshly table of your heart and your mind. <coughs> Internal rather than just external. See, Deuteronomy 6 verse 6 says that the words of the law are to be in your heart. But you can't write them on your heart. 
You can write them on a piece of paper. You can memorize them. Nowadays, we can have them on a cell phone. But you cannot inscribe the law on your heart. But I'm here to tell you that there is someone much bigger than me and much bigger than you who can write His law on your heart by the pouring out of His Spirit. It's quite easy for Him to do that. It's not difficult at all. He's the Creator of your internal self. And if He wants His commandments written somewhere, no one can stop Him from writing them down on your heart and on your mind. And so in Ezekiel 36, 26-27, the text that we open with, Yahweh says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. See, this heart that the believer has under the new covenant isn't one he or she is born with. You're not born with a new heart. You weren't born naturally with the commandments written on your heart. If you were born with a new heart and a new spirit, it wouldn't be called the new heart. It would be the old heart or the original heart. And He wouldn't have to give it to you later. You were born with the inclination to sin. The book of Job chapter 14 verse 1 says this, Man is born of a woman and is of a few days and full of trouble. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says that we are by nature the children of wrath. But Yahweh says, but Yahweh, not but Matthew, but Yahweh says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. That's like your mechanic saying the water pump is shot. But don't worry, I've got a new water pump in the back. Everything's going to be okay. It's a brand new one and the car's going to run fine when I put that new water pump on. Yahweh goes on to say in Ezekiel 36, I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you. That's Yahweh talking. I will place my spirit within you. Believers have a down payment earnest money of what they will receive at the resurrection. And it's a portion of Yahweh's Spirit that's placed inside of every believer, male and female, that believes in Yahweh and believes in the Messiah. The Spirit is given to what? According to the prophet Ezekiel. He says, and I will cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Now wait a second. Wait a second here. People talk about living by the Spirit or Spirit-filled living. And they usually sound like that means we're just prompted to know what to do and what not to do. One fellow told me one time that he had gotten so spiritual, I actually had somebody tell me this, he had gotten so spiritual that he did not have to read his Bible anymore. Brothers and sisters, I don't want to be that spiritual. (laughs) That might be of a spirit, but not the spirit. Amen? According to this prophecy in the book of Ezekiel, Yahweh's Spirit is given to cause us to obey His commandments. That's Spirit-filled living. You want to live by the Spirit? You want to walk by the Spirit? The Spirit is given to cause you to obey the commandments. The law written on your heart does not mean that you are now your own law. It means His law. The same law written down on stone and in a book back then is now written on your heart. Same law, different location. One tables of stone, the other the fleshly tables of the heart. So if the law on stone said, Thou shalt not steal, the law on the heart will never say, Thou shalt steal. The inner law always matches the outer law. 
because it's the same. It's just internal rather than external. So living by the Spirit means living by the law. Apostle Paul says, I believe in Romans 7, verse 14, the law is spiritual. That's the opposite of what most charismatic teaching presents today. Well, I'm led by the Spirit, they say. And I've seen people who claim to be led by the Spirit do sorts of all unbiblical things. I heard a televangelist one time say that the Spirit led him to kick a woman in the face with his biker boot. And I did a double take. I couldn't believe I would hear things like this, but this is what we get when we remove the law of Yahweh from our life and we just go by these inner feelings or these inner promptings that we feel like the Spirit is placing there. It's not the Christian life. The Spirit was given to you to cause you to obey the law. The Spirit was not given to you to make you your own guide. The Spirit was given to you to cause you to keep the guide that has been there all the time. The law is holy, righteous, and just. Psalm 19.7 says it's perfect converting the soul. The testimony of Yahweh is sure making wise the simple. You can't improve on perfection. It just went from being on stone onto the heart. What the Spirit is there to do is to direct you in the path of righteousness. Your natural stony heart did not do that. Stone cannot respond. There was a stone statue of me up here. You could prick it and prod it and it would not respond. But because I'm a real human being, you can prick and you can prod and you can shake my hand and I can respond because I can feel and I can interact. That's the difference between a heart of stone and a heart of flesh that responds. Your fleshly nature does not want to obey the law and we are still tempted to do those things we ought not do as Paul teaches in the book of Romans. And if the Spirit of Yahweh is dwelling inside of you, that is the law on the heart, or we should say the new heart, it tells you this, No, my child, the Spirit pricks and says, No, my child, that's not written down right here. That's not in accordance with what's on your heart. And you have a constant battle. That's not to say that you never give in. That's not to say that you're not tempted to sin and sometimes you give way to that battle. Your flesh gives in. But you constantly, if you're a real believer, you have a constant war because you want, your deepest desire is to want to obey the Creator because He created you. He gave you the new heart. And it's an obedience that stems from love, not just duty, but love to Yahweh and our fellow man. So how do you know what you are being led to do is right or wrong? Do you just trust your prompting? Is it just based on your feelings? Do you just make it up as you go? I'm glad I don't have to make it up as I go. I'm so glad He's given me the instruction manual. I've learned so much from my wife over the years because when we buy something that comes with instructions, I'm the one that wants to try to put it together without the instructions. And she says, where's the instructions, Matthew? And I say, I got this. She says, where's the instructions, honey? And I give her the instructions and it's put together properly then. See, How many know we're supposed to go by the instructions? Amen. Not the promptings, not the feelings, but the commandments. Amen. We don't make it up as we go. Do you just say, as I've heard many say over the years, well, now we just have two commandments. We love God and we love our neighbor. We don't need all the other stuff. Just have two commandments now. You know, I heard a preacher one time say right here in the city of Conyers that the Ten Commandments represented the ten unbelieving spies that went to spy out the land of Canaan. 
And the two commandments, love God and love your neighbor, represents the Joshua and Caleb, the good spies. <laughs> that same pastor, and I don't say this mean or begrudgingly, but that same pastor later on went to adopt a homosexual lifestyle and teach that it is okay to live that way. When you begin to abandon the ways of Yahweh, I'm speaking seriously. I love everybody here and I speak the truth in love. I'm here to feed the sheep, not here to use you as a whipping post. But when you begin to abandon Yahweh, do not think that Yahweh has to stay close to you. His ear is not too dull to listen and His arm is not too short that He can't save you. But He says, your sins have deafened my ear and maybe not reach out. You cannot abandon Yahweh. You cannot give up serving Yahweh in different areas of your life and expect Yahweh to remain the same in your life. So don't go by your feelings. Don't try to justify sin. Trust Yahweh. Do what Yahweh says to do, whether you feel like it or whether you don't. Do what Yahweh says to do then you will have great success. When Brother TJ gave that testimony about his daughter, the first scripture that came in my mind was Joshua chapter 1, where Joshua said, Don't let the words of this law depart from your mouth. You shall think of them night and day, for then you will go into the land and prosper and have great success. Yahweh's ways will be a blessing to you. It doesn't mean that you'll never have any afflictions or hardships, but Yahweh's ways will always lead you in the right direction. Don't abandon Yahweh. The book of James says, Draw nigh to the Lord, and He will draw nigh to you. And the way that you show Him that you love Him is by obeying His commandments. There is no other way to show Yahweh you love Him. No other way than keep His commandments. 1 John 5, 3, that's the love of God that we keep His commandments. It's silly to think that the Ten Commandments represent the Ten Doubting Spies and the Two Commandments that Yeshua talked about represent Joshua and Caleb. That's silly because the Two Commandments to love Yahweh and your neighbor are the first and second greatest commandments. But the reason that they're so great is because they summarize the whole law. Every law of Yahweh, and there's hundreds of them, but every law of Yahweh can either be placed under the category of love towards Yahweh, love towards God, or love towards our neighbor. The first four of the Ten Commandments apply vertically from person to Yahweh. The last six of the Ten Commandments apply horizontally from person to person. So if I love Yahweh, I'll revere His name. I won't have other gods before Him. I won't make idols. I'll keep the Sabbath. And if I love my neighbor, I'll honor my parents. I won't steal, kill, commit adultery, covet, bear false witness against my neighbor. And even the Ten Commandments are a summary of many, many more laws that fall up under each one of them. But love Yahweh and love your neighbor are the great two. Yeshua wasn't saying we didn't need the written law anymore. He was a Jewish rabbi, for goodness sakes. He wouldn't say that. His point was that on these two commandments hang, Matthew 22 says they hang, on these two commandments, all the law and the prophets 
hang on these two. So the written law is still valid. It's not your promptings or feelings that are written down on your heart. It's the law of Yahweh that's written down on your heart. How? By the pouring out of His Spirit. And that's what Pentecost is about. That's what pricked the heart of the people on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. When Acts 2.37 says they were pricked in their heart and said, Men and brethren, what must we do? Who do you think did the pricking? Not them. You can't change your own heart. Yahweh says, I will give you a new heart. I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and carefully obey my ordinances. Part of the law spoke of a Messiah that would come. The law and the prophets said that He would be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The Spirit was not poured out on Pentecost in order to do away with the law. The Spirit was poured out on Pentecost to quickly and on a very wide scale internalize the law of Yahweh. It's not to say that saints in the Old Testament didn't have the Spirit of Yahweh. But beginning in Acts chapter 2, it began to happen more quickly and on a wider scale. Peter's sermon that day has zero negatives to say about the law of Yahweh. Peter was Torah observant himself. All of the people at Pentecost revered the law of Yahweh. They were devout Jews, Acts 2 verse 5. That's why they were there at the feast. What they had missed was the fact that Yeshua of Nazareth was the promised Messiah that the law and the prophets had foretold. There were many more than 3,000 souls there that day that did not receive salvation. But praise Yahweh, about 3,000 souls received Apostle Peter's word and they repented and they were baptized into Christ. If you have Yahweh's law written on your heart today, if you're a believer and if your desire is to obey Him, I'm not saying we're all at the same stage. I'm not saying we're all at the same level. Not saying that at all. I like to say we're all in the same school. Doesn't mean we're all in the same grade. A lot of times I feel like I get bucked back to kindergarten when I find out things that I thought were right were not. Amen. And that's okay. It's okay to find out we're wrong. That's right. Hopefully we don't think we have everything right. Hopefully there's room for us to grow. Not saying we're all at the same level. But if the law of Yahweh is on your heart and that your desire is to obey the Creator and you constantly every day have a battle with your flesh because you want to do the law of Yahweh, that's your desire. If you war with your flesh on a daily basis, if you're constantly examining your life in order to make certain that you're walking in the path of righteousness, then my brother or my sister, be ever so thankful Be ever so thankful. Be thankful because it is not you who initiated those things. It is not your finger that wrote Yahweh's law on your heart. You didn't inscribe it on your mind. Yahweh did that. He wrote that law down inside of you so that you would be able to follow His lead. Be thankful. It is only by His grace that these things are taking place in your life. Only by His grace. Give Him the praise. Give Him the glory. Give Him the reverence. Thank Yahweh for your Pentecost experience. Thank Yahweh for writing His law on the fleshly tables of your heart. You have a treasure in an earthen vessel. 
Be thankful. Be thankful. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Almighty Yahweh, thank You so much for another feast day. Thank You for Your love. Thank You for Your discipline. Thank You for loving us more than we could ever deserve or imagine. Thank You for forgiving us. Thank You for Your mercy. Thank You for looking down on humans like us and including us in Your great plan. Yahweh, my heart's desire and my prayer is for everyone in here to receive this pouring out of the Spirit. Not some pouring that some man talks about, but the pouring that you talk about, Yahweh. That's what I want people to get. And Father Yahweh, I pray that as we as we live and as we walk this path, that You would help us be just as merciful to others as You have been to us. In all the words that we speak, may they be seasoned with grace and used for edification of the person that we're talking to. I love the people here and I'm thankful to be part of this assembly. I pray, Yahweh, that you would give me many more years to teach your word because I thoroughly enjoy doing so. Father, give us some good fellowship. We thank you so much for the food that we're going to receive. We're thankful for all the sisters and the brothers who brought things. We're thankful for everybody showing up, not empty-handed. And I pray that you'd bless them double-fold, Father, tenfold. We pray all these things through our Messiah, our elder brother. Amen.